Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony Slater, your host, and I'm here today with Russell Kay. I'm very humbled to be here with you. Thank you. And a beautiful friend of mine, Laura Miguel. Hi, Laura. Hi. You say Laura? Laura. 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 That's so nice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Laura Miguel. Uh, Harmony and I had a big argument in the kitchen. <laughs> she insisted that you were from Argentina. And I said, no, she is Brazilian. Come on. Yes, well, I'm Brazilian. At first, we had agreed you were Brazilian. And then I had a <laughs> lapse in We'd never agreed. mental no. capacity. Because... I was thinking of you drinking mate because I was also drinking herba mate. And then I thought to myself, I think she's Argentinian. <laughs> yes, but I drink herba mate. I'm, the, I'm from the south of Brazil and yeah. oh. I'm very close to Argentina. Oh, yes. Florinopolis. Is that yes. right? Okay. No, Porto Alegre. Porto Alegre. Porto Alegre. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Harmony loves it there. My God. She loves Brazil so much that I, I, I can't even. You like, can barely keep me home. For I can't. I know. <laughs> yeah. Brazil is beautiful. It's so nice. I have a, I have a little intro for you too, Laura. I wanted to introduce you to everyone. You're so special to us. Uh, Laura Miguel is founder of Casa Lila and AYPOA. I think that's a Stanga Yoga Porto Alegre. Yeah, okay. She is a teacher of Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, one of the few authorized to teach the method in Brazil by the institution, the Ashtanga Yoga Research Institute in Mysore, India. She is an Ayurvedic therapist, graduated from Sudha Dharma in Uberlandia, MG. I don't know where that is. Where is that? <laughs> it's in the center of Brazil. Oh. MG is Minas Gerais. It sounds like Germany, though. Uberlandia. 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 That, that must be like Germany, though. There's a lot of German heritage in Brazil, maybe. Oh. Yes, German. Oh, okay. And Italian. Brazilians are mixed. Oh. Okay. And a lot of Japanese br mixed Brazilians as well. Japanese, Polish. Mm -hmm. oh. I think um, Lucas was telling me that uh, in Brazil, they have the highest uh, Japanese population outside of Japan. Yes, that's right. Near Sao Paulo. Right. Oh, oh my goodness. It's incredible. Well, it also says here that you have a, a specialization in nutrition from the International Ayurveda Institute in Pune, India. And we wanted to ask you about that. But first... Laura, I, I have the distinct memory of being roommates with you together <laughs> in Mysore in 2003. We were at Saraswati's house together. Is that, is that correct? Do you remember that? No, that wasn't <laughs> me. <laughs> no, I'm sure it was you. It was no. like a Latin woman kind of blonde hair. Blonde hair, she has brown hair. But with like the highlights from the sun. I'm sure it was you. And I even gave you a massage, I remember, an Ayurvedic massage. Do you remember that? No, no, it wasn't me. It was another Brazilian. We have to find out. 
<laughs> yes, we should. I have, yeah, I have a story when I met you. No, but that's when we met. Was no. it Saraswati's house? I trust Lara's memory better <laughs> no. than yours. <laughs> no, no. 2003, I was in Brazil as a lawyer. Oh. Yeah. I wasn't in India yet. That doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> tell me your tell me your story, Laura. How how did you meet me then? Ten years later than that, 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was assisting Sharat on my first day. So <laughs> oh, that sounds... the first day well, <laughs> I was a kind of shy to be in the shala, and I just oh. looked Sharat uh, to tell him where to go. Yeah. And then Sharat told me to go to you oh, to good. do catching. And then you did a beautiful talk. You did a handstand, a beautiful handstand. Oh, then, a TikTok. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were doing the talk when I went to you and I said, oh, okay, so I think it's not time to do catching. And, but you look <laughs> at me like this and was the first <laughs> student that I, I had to, to do catching. Mm. Like, okay. And then I went to Sharat and said, I think I have to go back there later. Okay, <laughs> you go later. <laughs> <laughs> and then I never forgot you because you were the first one I went in the shala to adjust and you did that talk. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> wow. So we both have different stories about each other. <laughs> But two good stories. You know, I actually, as you said that, I do remember you very clearly in the room. And you had like the little towel. The ladies wear the little towel, like a mini skirt. Yeah. And and then you wore the little mini skirt very nicely, I thought. (laughs) I was very impressed. Because she's Brazilian. Yeah. And it filled filled out very nicely. And um, I remember that you had... um, great poise like you really you did not look nervous at all I didn't know it was your first day but you looked so confident and I was like oh that's very impressive my roommate looks good (laughs) so tell us you were a lawyer in 2003 I was a lawyer yeah Yeah. I studied six years of law school here in Porto Alegre. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I really like it to, to, to be a lawyer, to try to make some justice in my country, <laughs> yeah. to help people. But in the end, I figured out that I was not helping anyone. I just was uh, going to the court to deal with conflict and uh, I didn't see justice at all. Mm. So then I start to question myself what I was doing about my life. Uh, the, my object was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I start to practice yoga before that because in Brazil we have to pass through a really hard test to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. so the first test I did my mind wasn't focused at all so I did a very bad I took a very bad note Mm -hmm. and and I study 
a lot to pass through these tests. And then I decided I had to, to focus on my mind to be more, um, uh, to be more focused during the test. So then I quit my studies. I stopped working in the office. Mm -hmm. And then I just did Ashtanga yoga for six months every single day to keep my mind straight and then i took the best note ever mm. <laughs> amazing yeah so what i did to pass the test and to be a lawyer was what made me quit law <laughs> <laughs> to be a lawyer got you into ashtanga yoga and then ashtanga yoga got you out of being a lawyer yeah well, that's funny <laughs> wow what where were you studying was it in porto alegre was it was it somewhere yes. else yeah, and was the there university. someone there the university, university in porto alegre who was oh, no, teaching the ashtanga yeah oh no ashtanga i was practicing in porto alegre i remember i was in florianopolis because my parents had a uh, have a house there summer house mm -hmm. and i went to for a massage not with you <laughs> <laughs> And then um, oh. I said to the girl, I want to do yoga. Do you know where I can find in Porto Alegre? And she said, yes, you can go to Katia Karin. It's a Ashtanga yoga teacher. Hmm. So when I went back home, I called her and I went straight to the class with her. And but what... but she's not teaching anymore. But what was it where you said to yourself... I want to do yoga. Was it like a picture in a magazine? Was it you? Did you know someone that did it? How did it come up to you? How did the idea come to you? Um, I didn't remember about any magazine or anything, but the idea I had about yoga is that I could be focused. Ah. Mm. But before that, when I was 18, where I live, there is a Buddhist temple very close by, one, one hour and a half driving. Mm -hmm. And I used to practice Buddhist oh. when, yeah, oh. before. Oh. So then I was already doing the practice. But so you... I want to do something with my body. I didn't mm. find in the Buddhist practice anything related to the body. And I danced for a while. So I, my whole life, I had a body experience. Mm -hmm. So that's why I thought yoga could bring me more benefits towards my mind mm -hmm. than just doing the Buddhist practice. Because mm. it was uh, more meditation that you were practicing. Yes, and pujas. Ah, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so somehow you heard of it and you, and you felt that would help me, that body yoga practice. You saw it somewhere and so that, that's for me. Yes, because uh, when I was studying Buddhism, I met some other practitioners that practice yoga. So I had this in mind that yoga could help me also mm -hmm. to be more focused. Mm, I see. And the uh, Buddhist studies was very difficult for me at that time to, to put me in a good discipline mm -hmm. because it's a lot of practice towards deities. Right. A yeah. And uh, I didn't have many faith mm -hmm. when I was practicing Buddhism. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult if you're not connecting, like you don't have a personal connection with the deity that you're supposed to be doing puja to or visualizing. Yes, and I didn't have a, a teacher to guide me. It was a group mm-hmm. of people that practice, but I didn't, to have a connection with the teacher, it takes longer here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I didn't have a direct experience with the teacher. And this I found when I started practicing Ashtanga. Mm. You know, I, I was just reading last night in my little uh, Roberto Colasso book. Uh, it's called um, mm-hmm. uh, The Marriage of uh, Cadmus and Harmony. I like reading it. It makes me think of harmony. And um, <laughs> in it, it was, descri- it was just last night uh, I was learning deity and where the word comes from. And it's this Greek word that means necessity. And it becomes to mean God because of, of our feeling of, of being tied to necessity, that we have some, you know, cosmic debt that um, the, the God will help us with. And so deity and necessity, God and necessity become the same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it reminded me of your, of you were in, you're in, the Buddhist temple, you're in law school, and there is a necessity, there is a call that I need something that will, ha- that will help me. Yes, and I was feeling very sad in my, uh, my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel that I could help anyone doing what I was doing. I was really lost in my in my whole life, I was single. So I need something to put some colors in my life. My life was really gray. I always <laughs> say that because yeah. I couldn't feel any motivation to keep waking up early, going to the office and go to the court. I didn't see any benefit from that. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to make something that I could help people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I was little, I used to to turn my globe, the the globe, and put my finger in a, and I wanted to put my finger in a very poor country. And then I used to close my eyes and imagine that I was helping the kids, the poor kids. Mm. <laughs> so nice. yeah so that's why I went to law school but I didn't I didn't find this there you know yeah. yeah and this I found going to India for the first time so I think you brought me in the in the right place mm. that what I really wanted from my life did you did your parents did they did you think of your parents as wealthy and that you wanted to help people that were poor? Or what did your parents do? My father was a doctor and mm-hmm. my mother a nurse. Mm-hmm. So my father used to work a lot and helping the patients. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a very special doctor. The, the, the patients could call him anytime. He was always there for people doesn't matter if it was Christmas or Easter. He was always in the hospital. So he served a lot. He used the medicine to serve a lot. So mm-hmm. I saw this my whole life. Mm-hmm. 
the life of serving. And, uh, and my, my mom, she, she stopped working when I was a kid, but later she started to work again with my father and mm -hmm. in, in the surgeries. But I think she was very important for my Asian destination because she collect uh, Tibetans notice news from the newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I remember to see the, the, the newspaper news all the time on, mm -hmm. on a magazine she create. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so she, so that was very important for me to find where to go to discover myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Asia has this, this why important did, topic. Yeah, did why did she have a particular interest in Tibetan news? I don't know. She liked a lot Buddhism, but she never studied. Sometimes oh. I take her to the temple. She never went deep on any spiritual studies. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though. It sounds like in, in our country, we might say that your parents were progressive, uh, liberal uh, people who had uh, an interest in helping others and serving and, and using their uh, privilege to help others. And I imagine they were um, politically maybe uh, more left. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, do you think, uh, were they very happy with the political situation in Brazil as it was unfolding? Were they, were they uh, dissatisfied growing up? My father was very away from politics. I see my father as Indians, like the Indians, they do mm. their work and they don't, don't think much about politics. That's the way uh, I see in India. And I think my father did the same. He just keep his work. He, he tried to, to do the best, but not expecting much from the government. Mm -hmm. So I never saw in my home any uh, discussion about politics. Mm -hmm. We are, were very away from politics. Like, okay, we have to do everything because the government ne never give us benefits. Even mm -hmm. if we pay high tax, we just have to, to work and leave. Don't yeah. count with the government. So that's the way I also think. Here is mm -hmm. very hard to think that the government is going to give something. Uh, and I, I don't think it's going to change. Right. So, yeah, so politics was never a big discussion. Okay. Mm. But it's still, it's, it's, a, it's a big shift to be a, a lawyer and doing some yoga and maybe being dissatisfied with your job, but, but then to say, I'm going to go to India. How does that happen? You must have there must have been a big shift to say, I'm going to go to India. Can you tell yes. us how that happened? Yes. So then I was practicing Ashtanga and I was also practicing Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I remember in my, in my computer in the office, I had all those uh, Buddhist deities around my computer. And my colleagues just look at me like, oh, you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and 
I work in an office with a lot of new lawyers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the lawyers, the, the, the company that we work for, they dismissed a lot of new lawyers. Mm-hmm. So then I had no job. Ah. And, oh, and then, yeah, and then I knew that something was going to happen. Uh, so I start to study about going to India. So mm-hmm. I went to my store on my computer, my YouTube. I think on that time we had YouTube. I don't remember. But I start to research about study Ashtanga Yoga and have a break from my law mm-hmm. <laughs> life, you know, and my... Uh, I want to go to a place where I can look at myself without the world I was living in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then uh, I had to go out from the office. I had money because they paid me well to took me out. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, okay, now it's time to go. If I don't go now, I will never go again. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I went to... I bought my ticket. I called my, I sold my car because I didn't know when I was going to come back. I called my my parents. I invite him for pizza. And then I told my parents that I was leaving uh, to India in a week or two. Yeah, I'm an adult. I can do that. (laughs) And my father looked at me and he he started to cry. Oh. (laughs) And he said that I was going to come back pregnant, smoking like crazy. (laughs) He has the right. He knows what India is like. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a very different idea of India. (laughs) Than we have in North America is this, you know, very religious and and sacred place. He knows exactly what it is. That's incredible. Because my father was always very materialist. Uh, He born in a very poor family. So he had to work hard to to have the life he had. Yeah. And... um, and he said that he, he will never help me again. Oh, wow. And he wanted to talk to me anymore. Unless what? I changed the, the plan. So, yeah, so I didn't change the plan. I went to India. I didn't want to take any clothes I had here. So I went to India with an empty luggage. Gym. Wow. All the all the clothes that I want to to buy was Indian clothes. Yeah. Was a kind of saying goodbye for my the life I was having. Mm-hmm. And um and I didn't practice for that long, I think 2 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I That's... didn't have a very solid practice to to go and I want to learn I want asanas I wanted to develop my practice no I wanted to find myself mm. that's, that's where I went that's so nice when I also did the same thing I went with mostly an empty suitcase because I I had also forgotten all of my clothes and I, I picked up a bag of like yoga wear at the airport 
And when I arrived in Mysore, I discovered that um, there wasn't yoga wear, it was undershorts, <laughs> you know, like yeah. underpants. And uh, for many people uh, of our generation, that's my nickname is uh, underpants boy. <laughs> that's how I'm, I'm known. And I, I thought that you would also know me as, as underpants boy. I'm surprised. Um, <laughs> what but- year was your first, did you go to Mysore? when you left your life and went on a new journey to build a new life? This was, I think, the end of 2006. Wow. Oh, that is still yeah. early. Yeah. Yes, it's still early. So, and it Tubby was Joyce. October. Mm-hmm. Tabby Joyce was still there teaching. He was there and I didn't know anything. I, I had to send a letter as you both know yeah. mm. and they never sent me back yeah. as, you, <laughs> as you know mm. and, and I didn't have any doubt that it's gonna be wrong. Right. I just yeah. went there and Sarasvati was there and then I told her I sent a letter and she opened that box with thousands of letters yeah that's right <laughs> she, yeah, she, in the foyer yeah yeah and then she uh i don't know if she found my letter per- probably not but she said oh yes okay you come you come tomorrow and then she told me how many rupees and i took the wrong uh, uh, rupees it was a lot of money you know i had dollars, yeah. and i had to change and i changed I didn't change right. And I remember I was in Uchita Hasta on my second day. And then she, she looked at me and she said, you still have to pay a thousand rupees. (laughs) But that was so nice, you know, was a good teaching, you know, to, to understand that. Okay. I have to pay. It's their job. (laughs) And I I have to pay. I have to go and pay. And, um, yeah, so that's the way I end up in Mysore. Did was Saraswati with Guruji or Sharat out of town? Was it just her? Sharat was out of town. I didn't know anything about how it works. So mm. I didn't know if Sharat was in a tour. He didn't have his shala because there were a, a time that he had his own shala, but was before that. Mm-hmm. But Sarasvati was teaching and Guruji wasn't teaching that much. He just sit in the office and look. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I remember to have her as my teacher on my first two months. Oh, wow. And I remember to see Sharat uh, coming from, I think, from a tour. Mm-hmm. But I didn't connect much. Actually, I didn't connect with the Shala on the beginning because in that time, there weren't a lot of people. But for me, I thought it was a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Sarasvati, she never called my name. Right? <laughs> and yeah, and I wanted to, to meet a teacher. What I didn't find here uh really close to my house was a buddhist teacher i want to meet a teacher and have a connection with Mm. the teacher so then i left the shala after two months Mm -hmm. 
And then I decided to travel around India to find my teacher. So I went to uh, the Sikachar. Mm -hmm. Desikachar. Yes, to oh. south, in South India. Yeah, I, you I went wasn't to, in Chennai. In Chennai. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't register. I didn't find, um, didn't have place for me to practice. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was in Kerala once. And then I grew the up, yes, in, in, in Varkala. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I met a Polish girl and she said, no, you have to go back to Mysore and practice with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and practice with Sheshadri. Ah, yeah, the oh, other, the other guy. <laughs> the other guy. And yeah. so I went to Sheshadri. Uh-huh. I practiced with him and then uh, I really connected to him. We practiced, we had, we were in eight students in the Shala. Yeah. We could have chai together. And then he talked about philosophy. He talks about Ashtanga yoga. That, in that moment, that was what I was searching for, mm -hmm. a connection. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Uh, on my first trip, I was also, it was just Saraswati. Uh, Sharat was on tour in New York. And uh, unlike you, though, I really connected with her. Um, I really was very fond with her. I was living with her, of course, paying her rent. Um, as I, well, you weren't living with her. You were living in her home. Maybe I, I shouldn't owned. talk about uh, our relationship. <laughs> um, just that... Um, I've always been very fond of her. I always felt that that she has a way of saying yes, uh, whereas some other people would will say no. <laughs> and so she was always so earnest and affectionate and like, yeah, do, do, do. And to me, it, it felt like maybe this is what, what Batabi Joyce was like in the early days, you know, just someone who was just very, um, very generous. And uh, I really liked her. And um, I guess if she, if she doesn't know your name, though, it's going to be hard to make a connection. Yeah, but I think I was very young. I was very immature in the yoga world mm -hmm. uh, and also shy with that, a lot of people around me because I, I'm... I practice only in Porto Alegre with a teacher where I... I knew everybody, all the students. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Mysore, I felt, I didn't felt integrate mm -hmm. in, yeah. that, in that shala. But, and then uh, I met a friend, a Brazilian friend that she arrived there after me. Mm -hmm. And then she said, no, but if you want to learn the method, <laughs> you have to come to, to she was practicing with, with Sharat. Mm -hmm. You have to come and practice with Sharat. Mm. Who was this friend? It was Lu Andrade, my ah. very good oh, friend. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> she, I, I love her because she told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then because of her, then I went to the Shala. But did you find it different than going to Shashadri? It sounds so intimate and nice with him. Yes. So then after that, uh, as I didn't have uh, 
any idea where I was gonna come back home. And I also wanted to do um, charity in Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, so after that, I went to Nepal. I found mm -hmm. a job there in an NGO where I could teach English for Tibetan refugees. Oh, wow. Yeah, so then I stopped the, my practice in Mysore. Of course, I keep practicing, but um, I wasn't in any shala. I went to Nepal and I worked there for nine months. Oh, wow. my goodness. So yeah, uh, so then that that is another story. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds incredible. Whoa. It's so interesting that your mother's attraction to uh, the Tibetan news and and your connection to Buddhism and all sort of came to bring you to this place in your life, or maybe that place in your life was always meant to be where you're teaching English to, yeah. to refugees. It's incredible. Yeah. So this first trip was amazing, amazing, because it came up everything I really wanted. Yeah. Wow. And you were there for a long time. It I mean, in like India and Nepal, it sounds like. Yes, I was almost a year. So I started to teach English for the Tibetans refugees. I, I lived in a in a guest house from the temple. So I, I used to wake up with the morning pujas. So mm. I used to participate. And then Buddhists came again to my life. I started to study Buddhist again, Buddhism mm. again. And, uh, and then after a month I was teaching English, I met a Portuguese friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was there to build an orphanage and he needed help to, to make the project and to, to deal with the documents of the kids, mm -hmm. you know. Wow. So, so then I said, okay, I can help you. Let's do it. So I quit my English classes and I start to work with him. Wow. So then... Then an adventure, a <laughs> Nepali adventure started because uh, he had a lot of money from mm -hmm. a friend that sold um, uh, uh, supermarkets in Spain. Oh, and she, yeah, yeah, and she wanted to invest her money in charity. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of money to invest. So we met... After a while, we met a Finnish woman that used to help uh, orphanage. So we went there to, to see what kind of uh, orphanage was that. And the kids didn't have any food. And the kids were beaten. They had marks on their body. Oh, my gosh. So then my friend said, okay, we have to go to the government to see if... Uh, this NGO has a, a license or if it's a legal NGO. So we found out that the owner of the orphanage sent the kids, sell the kids to India for prostitution. Oh. And, yeah. So then we closed that orphanage. We put the man in the prison. Wow. And, and we had the police uh, 24 hours with us. 
because he was a very powerful man. Right. And we took all the kids, 38 kids in, in a week. So we had to rent uh, a building yeah. and start any NGO much before than we thought we were going to do it. Wow. Can, so, I, can I understand that the orphanage where the children were being sold to prostitution, that was where you were working or was that was where you were going to get the, the you were going to collect the children from? How closely were you there? That's, uh, I went to the, I didn't work in that orphanage. I went mm -hmm. to visit because yeah. this Finnish woman invited us to visit, okay. but we 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 saw that it wasn't a nice orphanage. Yeah. She was an old woman and she was giving them money for a long time and was the first time she went to visit the orphanage. Oh my goodness. And she was afraid to visit the orphanage. It was in a very it was far from from Bodnat mm -hmm. where I lived. And she was afraid to go. So that's why we went with her. Oh, wow. Good. And then we saw that orphanage and we said, no, where is the money you were sending? Mm -hmm. This man is not helping the kids at all. They, they, the kids uh, they were being abused, it, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, abused, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Mm. You saved poor children as well on your first trip to India. Yes. And, Nepal. And it's. And it's funny because it was what I always dream of. Yeah, <laughs> when you were a young child, it was like fulfilling your dharma. Yeah, so then everything opens for me, you know, mm. my, my mind get, got really clear mm -hmm. what I was supposed to do in this life. So all the feeling that I had before going to India, that I was really... Uh, confused about mm -hmm. what to do in life in that moment I realized okay that's the place I have to be that's what I have to do yeah wow but why would you go back to Mysore at that point it sounds like you've got you know a, a whole life's work there in Nepal to do yes because the the work had a time to finish we had mm -hmm. to build the orphanage organize everything and then uh, we had to leave. Right. But why, why did you have to leave? Why wouldn't you stay and, and just continue working there? Because they didn't want any foreigner to work in the orphanage. They wanted to hire Nepalis. Ah, okay. And the, the owner of the project, she wanted to manage the project from Spain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because uh, in Nepal, there are lots of NGOs that uh, foreigners run in right. Nepal, and it doesn't work well. So she didn't want, want any foreigner mm -hmm. in okay. there. She wanted Nepalis. And it okay. was a very hard work also. And Nepal is very polluted. Mm -hmm. I was happy with the service, but I knew I couldn't live there for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't receive any money for that. She just paid me the house and food. Mm -hmm. right. So I couldn't uh, live in that yeah. financial situation. Right. 
Was was your father hearing about this work that you were doing? Do did you have any idea if he if he was happy or approving for you? Yes. So then when he knew what I was doing, he started to talk with me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that's nice. You weren't smoking and getting pregnant. No, you're helping no. each other. Just yeah. like dad. Yeah. And he and he went to Nepal to meet the kids. Oh wow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, maybe you went back to Brazil for a short stay before going back to Mysore? Yeah, I had to go back to Brazil. But uh, when I thought that I was going back to Brazil after Nepal, I felt very bad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to get in, in my world again. So then I went back to Mysore. <laughs> for how much longer was it like a year later or six months later no i had to go back soon so i stayed a month and mm-hmm. then i went to shishadri again mm-hmm. because i didn't uh, register for Sharat. Yeah. okay i just needed to do my yoga to take care of myself to put mm-hmm. myself again in a place uh, that I could go back to Brazil and feel healthy. <laughs> yeah, this is this is often the case when you do nonprofit work. Is you you empty the well, and you need to kind of get a grip at a certain point. Yes. And fill so, the well. Yeah. So then I came to Brazil. I stayed for two months, and then I went back to India. Wow. But but I want to ask you again, why would you go to Sharat like like Lou Andraje suggested? Why why wouldn't you stay with Shishadri? Because I knew uh when I was in Nepal, I knew I wanted to start teaching. Mm. And and to teach, I felt that I need to be really into the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you felt like you really wanted to have that, I guess, authentic um, blessing from the master or the, the, I'm going to say godfather, but grandfather Grandfather, maybe is better, of the Ashtanga yoga, like lineage. You wanted to join that kind of river of of beings. Yeah. And I didn't have any money at that time. (laughs) So I had to start working. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I wanted to live in India, in, in Asia so bad. So I found a job in Thailand to teach yoga. Ah, where were you teaching in Thailand? I was teaching in a resort called, in an island called Koh Patrong, uh-huh. near, near Birma. Oh, that's yeah. on the... Uh, western side near the ocean yeah by Phuket yes. yes it's two hours and a half from Phuket nice yes it was a very nice experience uh, but I wasn't teaching in a shala it was a very uh, was for beginners people on holiday that want to do their yeah. practice Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I realized, okay, I have to go and study the method with Sharat if I want to keep teaching. Right. So that's why I went. But Shashadri for me, it's very important until now. When I go to India, I always go and visit him. 
Oh, that's nice. That's so nice. You know, I have to agree with you that there was um, a kind of mental fog that was on all of us at that time, especially 2006, seven and eight, that this notion of being authorized and being able to go home and work was all very important to us. And it was, it was critical that we would get postures so that we could get our authorizations or get our blessings or get our certifications that we could really work when we got home. And it's, What's amazing to me about that is that if you talk to the previous generation, like if you talk to Tim or uh, Eddie or Hamish uh, or Richard, that was the farthest thing from their mind was whether or not they got a piece of paper for living in India. I mean, you know, Tim, he started the certification by asking for a piece of paper, but it was really... I think it was really so much more important to us. But I think the yoga industry also exploded during the 90s. And so you couldn't, I mean, even if you wanted to teach at a gym, you had to show them some piece of paper that said you'd taken some training or done, you know, that you were a teacher of yoga somehow. And so, I mean, the gyms didn't know whether that was like three or four years in India or a weekend training fitness workshop they didn't really care but you needed to have something and so um yeah i think there was much more emphasis on it then all of a sudden when before you could just teach yoga and no one cared if you had a piece of paper or not yeah i think it, it is a different time but the paper wasn't my target uh, what i really wanted at it was um getting into the lineage mm. That was, I, I, this I didn't feel with Shishadri after a while, you know, that I was into the lineage. Right. You had a nice, like, special relationship with him and connection, but uh, he, he is a little bit outside of that other sort of, it's a different tree, maybe, you could think of it as. Yes, yes, that's right. And I remember to meet Brazilians in Mysore, and they asked me, my God, you came all the way from Brazil to practice with a teacher that it's not going to authorize you. So I, I start to feel a uh, pressure yeah. <laughs> from, from my friends. You know, I was that Brazilian, the, 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 the bad Brazilian that <laughs> practice. Naughty, naughty, naughty Brazilian. Naughty <laughs> Brazilian. I remember they look at me like, oh, no, she's against us. Right. Yeah. You there know? was quite a division for sure. Yes. Yes. But I have to say, I had this argument with Dina Kingsburg. We went to, we, we took this pilgrimage to go visit Harmony's teacher and we went all the way to, to Byron, Bay. Byron Bay to go visit her. And I really wanted to probe her about this idea of lineage and what was right with, as far as lineage. And so, you know, I don't think I really know what it means because why can't Dina be the lineage holder of Ashtanga Yoga? Why, why not Manju? And she wouldn't even have the argument with me. She said, look, it's just between you and your teacher, that's all. So, 
I mean, if your teacher is Shashadri, that's in the, and you feel something, that's it. Then that's suddenly lineage. That is parampara, that he is transmitting his knowledge to you. And this, this, you know, that we that we feel that we have to agree that there is this, that this notion of a lineage that that exists within an institute, it seems like that's um, a step towards uh, authoritarianism or, uh, or fascism. Yes, yes, that's right. But you, but you, but like, but like us, you, I, when we were there in 2000, in that, in, the, in that period, like we were bought in, we wanted it. There was a lot of, I think, divisions between there like... were a lot of divisions yes i felt that mm-hmm. and until now my my friends my brazilian friends say no but you were practiced with uh with the shadri you start <laughs> late in the shala. <laughs> so, okay i was uh... i was getting to yoga and on that time i really wanted to meet uh, different teachers. I yeah. never went to straight to Sharat and I said, oh, okay, he is my teacher. I want him to guide me forever. Mm-hmm. I went to practice with Rolf in Goa. Yeah. I went to practice with Prem and Radha. Mm-hmm. Both were very important in my yeah. journey. Yeah. So uh, I was a kind of no judgment. And, uh, and also, when I went to Prem and Radha, some friends told me, why are you going there? Why you don't stay in Mysore? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You were like a bee that was collecting all the nectar from different flowers to make her own honey. Yes, and that was my, what I wanted. I, I wanted to meet mm-hmm. teachers to see what kind of teacher I want to be, what kind of teacher inspire me Mm -hmm. that's the best way yeah i wasn't already at that time to teach so Mm -hmm. i need to collect inspirations (laughs) you know to see which way i could go yeah but it's it's really true though how much we we would have put status on which month we came to the shala first (laughs) so like what, what was your first month harmony March. March of 2004? Yeah. Oh, so that makes me 12 months older than you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so much more status. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we would really use that against each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a weapon for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was, I was, I had a similar interest uh, as you, Lara. I, it, I went not so much seeking, um, like alternative Ashtanga yoga teachers, although of course over the years I've practiced with many. Um, but I, when I was in India, I wanted to also find not just a teacher, but I really wanted to like find enlightened spiritual masters mm-hmm. and gurus. Mm-hmm. And so when the shala would close, because Patabi Joyce would go on these long tours to America or Australia or Europe, Ugh, um, Africa, <laughs> yeah, or go on safari yeah. in Africa, and and we would have planned out maybe like four months or five months to be in India. 
um, or six months even, and then they're gone for three of those months. And so you're like, well, what what should I do now? (laughs) And so then I started to uh, travel. And so I would go to all these different places and cities in India looking um, to just meet or learn from or spend time with different teachers there, which was kind of an interesting journey all on its own too. And also time that I, I think for me in some ways was a much richer experience of Indian culture and, um, you know, the people and the places and, and also even like spiritually the teachings than just staying in one place for all those months. Although that has its own benefits too, of being able to really deepen your practice and, and, you know, excavate yourself. Yes, and also knew what India is. Mm-hmm. It's so diverse. It's so diverse. Every state is different. I used to travel also mm-hmm. 15 days or a month if I had time yeah. after Mysore. So Mysore was a place I practiced Ashtanga, but I wanted to know what India is about yeah me too Mm -hmm. it's part of the culture of yoga to know it's easier when we study indian philosophy if we know how india works yeah yeah totally were you ever studying with our friend matthew vollmer and carla in brazil did you ever work with him there were you close yes i did he was living in rio when i was uh, practicing here in Brazil, mm-hmm. but we had only Matthew in Brazil at that time that yeah. was like really into the lineage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I went around so many teachers, you know, because here we had only him. Mm-hmm. So I used to go and practice with him in Rio sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I, his wife, Carla, is Brazilian and. Uh... I guess, yes. and so I think she, you know, of course, she her Portuguese is perfect, and you could communicate really well. Yes, yes. He he now is talking. He's he's speaking Portuguese very well too. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's he has a, such a funny story. Maybe we'll get him on to tell it one day. But how he learned to speak Portuguese was when they moved to Brazil. He just refused to speak English anymore. <laughs> Even though he was living with his family and like Carla's family and they all speak English, he just refused. And so he'd try to say everything in Portuguese. That's fantastic. And it would it would drive them crazy. And they would say, just say it in English. And he'd say, no. <laughs> and then he'd keep That's trying. Fantastic. <laughs> That's very him. Yeah. Oh yeah, gosh. so stubborn. <laughs> Matthew was there on my first trip in 2003. And he was, to me, he was very much a big brother and took care of me. And I, I would go to him with, with questions and problems all the time that he would, he was very helpful. And I really loved him very much. Um, yeah, both are very special, both mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, also at that time, it was popular to take the Ayurveda class. And there was a fellow named Kumar who, Dr. Kumar. No, Dr. Kumar. no, no, no. Oh, I was, Kumar, the oh, massage Kumar, therapist. The massage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Dr. Kumar is real, right? That's a real teacher. <laughs> Kumar, the massage therapist, it was cheap. It was like, I don't know, 7,000 rupee, maybe less. 
And I took the course. It was all my money I had left. Yeah, it didn't feel cheap to me at the time. It didn't feel cheap at the time. <laughs> no. And we I took, didn't take it because I was like, I don't know. That's a lot of reviews. It was a lot of money. <laughs> I, took, I took the course and it was, I don't remember how long it was, maybe four weeks, something like that. And everyone is naked, of course, in the court. <laughs> And you, everyone is like, you just do the, you learn the Ayurveda, everyone's taking notes. And then you do, everyone's massaging each other's chests and buttocks. It's so un-Indian. Un I didn't know. I just thought this is my first trip to India. This is what you do. And so that's, I, had, I remember massaging Laura. I remember you, I remember massaging you naked in my house it was a dream and <laughs> he's dreamt of it ever since now. i can see your face so perfectly there but i i wanted to know is that also how you learned ayurveda was through the naked massage because i was making a lot of money i was making all my money to eat because i didn't have any money left i, I would make a hundred rupees a day massaging oh girls and their tits and they would pay me to do that they paid me a lot of money to massage their chests and buttocks and i would i was having a lot of fights with my girlfriend at the time I, when i went met that massage kumar therapist guy you met him yeah because i was thinking of taking this course because someone of course told me to take the course the massage yeah, yeah. And I went to meet him to see, ask yeah. about it. And and he said, take off your clothes. <laughs> Not exactly, but pretty much. He was describing what, what the course was and the massage and his whole like Osho outlook on yeah, life and, yeah. you know, free, free, love. free love and all this. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think this is the course for me. <laughs> I'm not really into your whole vibe right now. <laughs> yeah. I remember this course, but I didn't take it. No. Oh, you didn't take it? <laughs> no, oh. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, that's, it was a dream. Was that's, a dream. Um, <laughs> that's embarrassing for me. Um, how did you get into Ayurveda then? How did you start studying so deeply? I study in Brazil uh, before my first trip to India with a teacher called Ruge, Dr. Ruge. Mm -hmm. So he was uh, the, the first teacher that uh, teach the real Ayurveda here. Oh, amazing. Yes. Yeah, so he used to go to Florianopolis where mm -hmm. you were, Harmony. Yeah. Yeah. To teach... Uh, uh, once once a month uh, oh, wow. for a week and i used to go there and have classes with him so it was not only massage it was a whole course with the philosophy <laughs> uh, and, uh, how to make the medicine oh, oils all that yeah for a pet to be a therapist so yeah so then after i went to uh, when i went to india i stop my studies in Ayurveda and then uh, when I came back I had classes with him again and then I went to Pune to mm. go deep into the nutrition. What uh, made you go to Pune to study Ayurveda? I love how she said it, Pune. Pune, Pune, like Pune. I Pune. never know exactly Pune. how to pronounce yeah. it. nice though. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Brazilian accent, Brazilian accent. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I went to study in the International Academy of Ayurveda. So I stayed there for a month and a half. And every week I had a different teacher. Mm. And it was such a nice course because they, I had to meet the teachers in their um, Ayurvedic clinics. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then I could be together in the consultation. I could see how they treat every different patient so I mm. was a kind of I just stay there sitting there hearing the how the consultation goes mm -hmm. uh, and then in the afternoon we had a theory so then it was just me and the teacher was a kind of private class well you were sort of um, mentoring under different Ayurvedic practitioners yes it was a very interesting in study but really deep in clinic mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. not not um the, the treatment as a whole yeah you Incredible. know yeah i remember to 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 receive a lot of patients that work in the um, uh, call center mm, right in, yeah yeah <laughs> so they they sleep during the night and wake up during the day uh, sleep during the day, day and wake, wake yeah, they're up, up all night. night. Yeah. yeah, so they had a lot of bavata diseases. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so then the 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 doctor she used to put the herbs in a small paper mm -hmm. for seven days, and then she closed that paper and give to him. Okay, come back after seven days. So she in the clinic prepared the medicine, the herbs, and did all the mix. Like mm -hmm. the Chinese medicine, Chinese medicine, yeah. Yeah, a lot right. of that. But I never saw this in Ayurveda here in Brazil. And in India, I saw the, the real way that they treat the patients and very uh, private, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they make a lot of their own tinctures and remedies within the office themselves. Nothing's really pre-prepared so much. Yes. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of a question that often comes up, like with this sort of vata imbalance, this waking up in the middle of the night to do your yoga practice at like three or four in the morning. One or two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, or, or for some people earlier. Do you think that the Ashtanga yoga practice can create this kind of vata imbalance or a vata pitta imbalance? And is there any way to not fall into that trap if it does? Yeah, I think it, 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 we can get really unbalanced. Depends the motivation we have for practice. I think it's okay to wake up around two for a month or two. Mm -hmm. But as a routine, it destroys the whole system. So I don't agree with this kind of of routine mm -hmm. yeah I it's like being it's on night done. shift kind of yes yes uh i don't do that <laughs> <laughs> i felt like you could kind of see it in sharat that it was taking a toll on him like these black we called him the behind his back i hope he's not listening but <laughs> we called him like the panda or the raccoon eyes behind his back because he had the black circles under his eyes yeah, he's you, not resting. You can always see it at the start of the season. He's very rested. And then after like three or four months, 
the black the circles under the eyes get darker and darker. And he's fighting with us. Yes. Oh, that's true. So it's always better to go on the beginning. That's yeah. very friendly. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. The mood goes down. The, the mood goes down. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think this creates balance. No, no. When, when is like the, is there an ideal time to practice yoga? Ayurvedically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. Uh, depends of the dosha. If we have uh, more kapha, mm -hmm. it's good to practice in the end of the day where kapha is higher. Mm. So like so, at 4, 4 p.m. or something like this? Yeah, 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. Because kapha, when they go uh, back home after the whole day, they used to prepare a very good meal, mm -hmm. very oily, everything <laughs> yes. that they can heavy meal and be together with the family and just lay down on the sofa and watch TV <laughs> or Netflix. So that's the way Kafa. You're so describing my life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good time to practice Ashtanga. That's to what make I keep telling you. <laughs> all that water and retention to, yeah. to go out. Mm -hmm. you know so but pita for example they can never practice uh, at 11 or 12 p.m i had i i have a student she's very pita and this is a very interesting uh, information that she was uh practicing at 11 30 a.m mm -hmm. oh wow yeah no no p.m sorry no a.m morning yeah morning morning yeah yeah and uh, she started to have um, her heartbeat was very uh, strong mm -hmm. and fast. She started oh, wow. to have that. And then I said, okay, so let's do a test. You start to practice at 6 a.m. and yeah. see if it works. And in the end of the class, you do chitali pranayama you start, you start to mm -hmm. breathe with your tongue you yeah. know curled yeah. curled yeah and then she started to to do this and after 15 days she didn't have any problem on her heart oh amazing yeah so it's nice what i like to know ayurveda is that i can help the students in their different bodies yeah. And what it shows up in each body, Ayurveda can help with the technique. So there isn't a truth that we can set up for everybody. Right. Like one way that's good for everybody, no matter what. Yeah. And the problem of Ashtanga is that sometimes we see the method of uh, applying to every kind of bodies and mm -hmm. lifestyle yeah 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 what about for vata people what's a good time to practice for those people in the morning but not at 4 30. Mm. <laughs> it's too early See, yeah during the morning it's a good time to practice but not at 4 30 not before sunset yeah before sunset it's vata time or sun sunrise uh, sunrise so yeah. before sunrise is vata time so if you do the the same 
qualities of vata that is movement mm. dynamic it's going to increase vata right yes yeah and because so the, the ayurveda has um the doshas they have uh, different times during the day right yeah like the student i said she practiced at 11 she's vata and she was she's pitta and she was practicing at pitta time so then it's just going to increase the pitta, increase pitta, pitta. The pitta. <laughs> yeah so i told i told her to practice at kapha time 6 a.m it's already kapha time mm. so that would be a good time for the vata people too 6 a.m a little more yeah. calming Sure. Yeah. What do you think Sharat is? Do you think he is a, a balanced dosha? Do, what time should he be practicing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he needs to practice at six, not one thirty. That's crazy. <laughs> I know it is crazy. <laughs> well, I hope he listens to the show. Another question that you know people always ask me because I also have studied a little bit of Ayurveda, but I'd love to hear what you think. Um, you know, Sharat's famous for saying no coffee, no prana. And although he's, um, I guess, given up coffee now, he told us only drinking green tea, green juice, because yeah. he was getting too much acidity, right? Yeah. Increasing Acid. his pitta too much acid stomach. But from an Ayurvedic perspective, what is the the um, correct method with coffee. Yeah, also depends on the dosha vata can't have coffee. It's not good for vata. No, coffee is sour and it makes the body really dry and lose the ojas, mm -hmm. lose our capacity of uh, get, getting uh, the, the nectar of the body, no? Right. The yes. is this. So if you dry too much, you lose the ojas. Right. And then your, you your the immunity would decrease. Is that right? Any immunity will increase. The joints mm -hmm. are going to be dry. You're going to lose weight. So then you're going to have all the vata diseases, you know? Yeah. What Fear. about for pitta? And for pita also, because it gives acidity, but pita can have a small cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Kapha can have more than a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Mm. <laughs> Everyone wants to be kapha now. Yeah, yeah because it's astringent. It's like um, uh, chocolate. Right. Raw, raw chocolate is the same as coffee. It makes the body dry. Yeah, and it, it, it stimulates a lot. Mm -hmm. So kapha can have raw chocolate, but not vata. And pita needs to uh, take just a little. Okay. That's good to know. That raw yeah. chocolate is very sour, though. It's like very it. sour. I yeah. Like it. Yeah. But I have the vata derangement. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what I like uh, is to the, the translation of dosha. Sometimes in Ayurveda, we, we translate as qualities uh -huh. of the body, of the prakriti. But dosha is a problem of mm. the prakriti. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. So if you have a dosha, you have a problem. And we all have a dosha. Of course. So the prakriti oh. will 
always be unbalanced. Right. So in Ayurveda, we learned that we have to wake up and, and listen to the body and look at the body and see what the body uh, wants today. Like you have, to, you have to touch your skin and see if the skin is dry today or it's very oily. So then you are gonna know, okay, I need some sesame oil. No, I have to scrub my body. So the, the nature of the, the body is unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And Ayurveda came with the, this idea of uh, uh, bringing more balance in, in a materia that it's naturally unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, and you're not always going to be imbalanced in the same way, it sounds like. Yes. It changes, mm. it's permanent. So uh, to say something as, as a truth in, in Ayurveda for one person can be different after two days. <laughs> right, mm. yeah, you might wow. be trying to solve your vata imbalance and then two days later you have to try to solve a kapha imbalance. Yes, and <laughs> that's what makes Ayurveda so individual and so... Uh, uh, and a, a, a connection, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Yeah, and you have to, it sounds like, be very uh, present and aware to what's going on in the moment uh, rather than just saying, uh, this is what I need all the time, every day, and doing the same thing. It's constant adjustment. Mm. It's constant, yes. It's uh, it, all the time we have to adjust a piece that it's lost. <laughs> you, did you ever meet the uh, Ayurvedic doctor in Mysore? His name was Ramachandra. Never. He, I went to visit him once. Um, I had a friend who had um, uh, a coughing disease. What is that thing that you have, the coughing? Bronchitis? No, the um, asthma. 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 Mm -hmm. asthma. And um, Dr. Ramachandra, he wanted a blood sample. And I was amazed by this, that he would take blood because he is an Ayurvedic doctor. He's not a physician, you know, that's my, my bigotry. And um, he, looks, he looked at the blood sample, he looked at it in the sun and he spun the blood in the, in the little tube. And he said, ah, yeah, it's too much vata. Ah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? Of like even looking at the blood and wondering what, what what dosha is the blood at that time? Yes, you can see, uh, we don't have, we don't do this in Brazil. I never learned like this, mm. but I learned with the urine. With oh, the urine. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. The urine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wow. put, yeah, you can see from, from that, the, the imbalance. Mm. Yeah. We had uh, some very good friends early in the early days, say 2006, who were who were drinking the urine. It was very popular in 2004, actually. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the first trip I went to Mysore, this is a funny story. Very balancing, actually. I think. My my mother, of course, was very afraid of me leaving for Mysore, kind of like your father. Um, not because she thought I'd start smoking and getting pregnant, but because she thought that I would like 
I was going to become a, a cult um, devotee. Yes. And she said, that happened. Don't drink your guru's urine. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what what where Ma? would she even get where did this you idea? learn that <laughs> and then but Jesus then to, to my surprise <laughs> i showed up in mysore and it was like a really big thing not yeah. drinking other people's urine but, but drinking, drinking your, your own. own urine yeah midstream in the morning it was like a whole fad that was going yeah. through the community and everyone was recommending how right. good it was for you to yeah. drink your urine in the morning the midstream sample and they were using it for healing like putting it on on if you injured yourself or scraped yourself or cut yeah. yourself like soaking it in your first morning urine and it was like a whole thing and i was like oh my gosh maybe my mother actually knew something that i yeah. didn't know <laughs> you're in a goddamn call <laughs> that's right but that's not ayurvedic is it no, that's not ayurvedic. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it must have some doshic property, though. Yeah. I don't know where it came from because oh it's not—it's not an Indian practice at all. Yeah, but this person should be a vata because vata, <laughs> yeah, vata love everything that it's um, Weird. different. Weird. Right. <laughs> But I have another question about the Ayurvedic because you've spent so much time like in India and traveling in different parts. And one thing that always strikes me is, um, you know, in Ayurveda, there's lots of good principles for like, you know, eating healthy and different, um, you know, like ways to live to create balance and health in your life. But then when you're in India, so much of the diet and the habits are very seemingly unhealthy. Was that also your experience? Yes, yes. I remember. Oh, I thought Ayurveda was in every home in India. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> it's so disappointing. <laughs> so, yeah, but they eat very bad. Mm. You, I, I, don't, I think people really don't understand how bad it is. I, I remember... <laughs> being invited to, you know, Jayashree's home, um, or even, you know, going up to see Guruji, when you're offered a meal, you know, they, they do it in the stages, the, the, the portions, and they start with um, like the little vegetables and they'll do the rice dish and then they'll do the yogurt rice. And I don't think people understand those portions of rice <laughs> Are bigger than your head, <laughs> so much. I know. and and then you then you you do everything you can to finish that portion out of politeness, like you just want to be nice, and you eat the entire thing, and they come by and then they give you the yogurt rice, which is also <laughs> as big as your head, and it's like yeah. yeah okay India has the number one diabetes per capita in the world, it it's like doing one meal a day but like eat eight thousand calories yeah yes they don't eat well i remember that but uh, yeah they don't practice ayurveda much because in ayurveda you have to eat when you are hungry mm -hmm. that's the sign that the agni is ready to receive right. the food to transform and to eliminate the food mm -hmm. and um also, you have to keep part of your stomach empty to make the vata 
do the job is like um, uh, a machine when you put the clothes in the right. machine. Yes, mm-hmm. the washing machine. You the washing machine. <laughs> yes, if you put a lot of clothes, the machine is going to break. Mm-hmm. The same happened with the stomach. You have to leave a, a place for the air. Mm-hmm. For the gases to move so that the food can get digested properly. Yes, yes. So I think it's um, a quarter empty, right? Is that what you said? A quarter empty. Yeah, Guruji would say that. He would say half food and then one quarter water and then one quarter empty, but then never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the theory. The yeah. theory, theory, yeah. 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 <laughs> and does does Ayurveda ever prescribe like, um, you know how Sharat and Guruji also used to say like one meal a day yogi, two meals a day bogi, three <laughs> meals a day dead man. Yeah, the funeral. <laughs> um, does Ayurveda say anything about you know eating one meal a day or two meals a day or the best times to eat your meals? The best time to eat uh, a big portion of food mm-hmm. uh, regar- regarding the hunger is uh, during the pita time. Mm. Which is so from from ten a.m. to two p.m. Oh yeah, right. So then it's the time the agni is receiving the same energy from the the, the earth. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the digestion is gonna be better and absorb absorption of the nutrients is mm-hmm. gonna be much better if you eat a big portion. Right. Here in Brazil, we used to say that breakfast needs to be big, right. then lunch is small and dinner very small, but that's not Ayurvedic. Right. And we- uh, in, in the morning, if you don't wake, if you don't have, uh, if you're not hungry in the morning, uh, kafas, they used to, to feel hungry around 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So that's the time they should eat, not before. Mm. That's so interesting. Um, I really like that idea of if you're not feeling hungry, then you shouldn't force yourself to eat just because you're like, oh, it's breakfast time. I should eat something. Yeah, because then you're going to build toxin. The agony is not ready to make the digestion. The agony is low at that time. Mm. But, but of course, if you are never hungry, then <laughs> we have to see what's happening with this agony that doesn't wake up. Right. So we, have, we have to wake up the agony. Mm. How, how, do, you, how yeah. do you do that? With the spices, ginger... <sighs> Oh, fantastic. That's Some nice. garlic? Would Ayurveda prescribe garlic? Sometimes, yeah. What's a spice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's used more medicinally, isn't it? Yes, uh, cinnamon also has a lot of fire. It can help mm. to build up the agni. You, you know, it's, it's really funny, Laura. Um, when Harmony and I met, I was eating, you know, some spicy food, but... Um, I started eating a lot of, of hot sauce, like on everything. And then Harmony's family all started eating 
hot sauce even more than they had ever had before. <laughs> and we started like building up tolerance more and more. And we're all like eating super hot food and blaming the other one. <laughs> and uh, now like we went out and we bought the Carolina Reaper hot sauce. And it's like only, I only just barely taste it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's almost hot enough now. <laughs> And you know, it's funny, I came out, I broke out with a skin rash all over my face. Maybe you're allergic to it. And I wonder if it's the the, the pitta's too much now. Yes, the pitta <laughs> is too much. Yeah, we don't feel that fire, but then it's going to show up in something, in the yeah. skin, in the way you digest the food. Yeah. Mm. That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> well, I want to know. Um, do you do you have more questions you wanted to ask? No, I, that was so informative and really interesting. I love talking about Ayurveda with you. I I guess I what I wanted to know is is how things are going there in Brazil. I know you have uh, uh, the COVID there, like everyone everywhere else. But we're hearing that it's it's particularly bad in Brazil, we're just wondering how you're doing. Here is very bad. Um, when COVID arrived in Europe, we, we were here like, oh my God, is this coming here? What's going on in the world? And then I remember to my, my, my European friends, they say, oh yes, you are gonna to close the Shala soon because this is very fast. Mm. We yeah. even know what was going on in the world. And then like two weeks after we had to close everything. Mm -hmm. So, but we had a very bad management of yeah. our government. So I think that's why we are in a, such a bad situation. Last year, we were in lockdown most of the year, but then it was funny because we were in lockdown and I remember to drive near my, to go near the temples that I passed by a very small city. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people drinking beer in a gas station mm -hmm. and we were in lockdown and I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, why the police never come here to take these people out and right. uh, take the... Uh, uh, take them home, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we didn't have a very good control. And our president, he didn't trust in the disease. He was a kind of, he is like Trump. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Yes, he didn't trust in the disease. So he didn't do the agreements about the vaccines uh, in, the, in the right time. Mm. You know, he didn't... Yeah feel that we are going to be in the situation we are now. Now is very, very bad because mm. they didn't close. They didn't, uh, um, we didn't do lockdown during carnival. So everybody traveled and went to the beach. The beach was crowded, never, right. you know. So then after carnival was terrible. So all the hospitals were full. Now it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Bolsonaro is is in trouble politically? Do you think he's he's going to face consequences for this? I hope he does. Mm. Okay. I hope. 
And what about your son? How old is he now? Bernie is five. He's going to turn six uh, in October. Oh, nice. So is he in school or is he not in school? He went to school last year for two months. (laughs) And then he got locked out. (laughs) Yes, and then he got locked down. And now again, the schools are closed. Right. And and here we are also having a big problem uh, between the government and the justice. Justice, the judges, Mm -hmm. once are, are getting into the executive Mm-hmm. job so in the government they are doing oh, laws oh they're like passing bills or laws to close things down yes mm-hmm. so the this week a lot of cities open uh, the schools they, right. they are allowed to go to school but here where I live some parents um, uh, uh, went to a to the court mm-hmm. to ask for not open. So then the judge said that they can't open. Okay. Yes. So, but but the go- the our government here is saying that the schools can open this week. So it's right. a big fight. Brazil are passing through a very strong crisis in mm-hmm. almost every aspect of the um, structure of the state you know wow yeah that sounds a lot like the united states say a couple months ago but it's yeah yeah but my son is okay between (laughs) all this mess (laughs) he's okay he's fine so in our home we organize his routine he has a teacher that goes home he is doing taekwondo with another teacher that goes mm. to the house. Oh, good. So then he doesn't stay only in the computer. Yeah, it's so hard, right? Especially for you because you're probably teaching online still and, you know, trying to work and still run a shala from afar and then also be a mother and take care of him. And he's doesn't have a brother or sister, so you have to play with him a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know, yes. And my yeah. students, they already know that sometimes uh, they are going to practice with cartoon on the background. <laughs> yeah. I, have to, I have to mute myself and just talk yeah. when I have to talk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the real life. Mm-hmm. It is. It's the real life. <laughs> It's it's nice that he's able to have some teachers coming and and doing things with him though. Still, that's yeah. Helpful. But in the same way, I can see him very attached to me. Yes, yes. Because we are always <laughs> together at home. So if I have to go out for ten minutes, he asks to not go to stay with him. Blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so sweet though. Well, it's a it's an unsettling time for children. It's a very bizarre time. Mm. And so yeah, their their attachment will be a little insecure. Mm. And so we have to love them. We have to keep them. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's very hard. I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> with this generation because they are not playing with other kids. Yeah, and well when we were kids, we just play with other yeah. kids, not with adults. So, and it's yeah. hard for us 
to to be in a kid hole and play in the same <laughs> way as a kid yeah. would play. You know, it's true. It's yeah. true. But there can it can be too much. I spent the entire of my youth in detention. So I didn't get to play with the other children because I it was too much. No, but it's it's hard as a parent too. I mean, you know that to like Jedi always liked to play Lego, you know, and he likes to make the pretend games with the guys and the storylines. I don't the... like to do that. Yeah, I just like to make the Lego Jedi. As an adult, it's so challenging. You're like, oh, okay, let's play pretend. <laughs> But yeah, he needs another yeah. child desperately. Yeah, he desperately. Is. And he <laughs> makes me run. He makes me jump. And I'm so tired of teaching yeah. and practice. And he's like, Mom, you are super girl. You have to go and find. And then I have to do. And yeah. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. We, we make maybe we could cut this part out but, but do you know this film about brazil um about carnival uh orfu negro yes i know what is a it very a very important movie is it okay because it's it was so it's called it's a, in english it's black orpheus by marcel camus and it's just so beautiful gorgeous film about the carnival and it's so um mysterious and magical and i didn't know if you would know the film but it sounds like it was very it's important to brazilians this movie yes this movie was very important because we were uh, outside uh, brazilian uh, movie scene you know mm -hmm. in, in europe and internationally a lot was very famous so was good for us and also um there were a lot of black artists mm -hmm. in the movie yeah that's we, right in a different way that the the movies shows like they show they didn't show the beauty side of being black mm -hmm. and this movie showed mm. wow so in 1959 that would have been radical altogether yeah, yeah. wow yeah i didn't think of that aspect of it i it's it was to me it was like um uh you know postmodern film but it was also about mythology but it was also like just incredibly um uh delightful to see the carnival in action uh and so it's 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 very exotic to for me as a young man but um it's interesting to think of that as a kind of um very progressive film about ethnicity and and race in, in Portugal in uh, Brazil. Yeah. Wow. I I just want to recommend it to people who are out there because it's a beautiful. <laughs> yes. Film. And there is another beautiful film that I, uh, it's it, it's similar. It's a different story, but it's very beautiful. Also, it's uh, all by all. All by all. O pai P A I O. Mm. Uh, the actor is Lazaro Ramos, another black artist we have here, mm. Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful movie if you have a chance. But it 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 passed in Salvador in Bahia. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um, it does it mean from Brazil from beginning to end? Is that what? 
Okay. We'll have to get it in the notes after some I'm struggling to find You can it. you can send us uh the link. A Wikipedia I send you the link. link. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, where can people find you though? That's what people want to know. They don't want to know about um uh, my interest in, in film. But <laughs> where can people find you if they want to to know uh, uh, to study with you or to learn Ayurveda from you? How can they do that? I am in Instagram, and my Instagram is Laura Ashtanga. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the easiest way to find me. And I have a website from the school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's your website? It's a uh, Ashtanga Yoga POA.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dot and BR. Dot BR. Yeah. And are you teaching Mysore to your students online still? I am teaching online. <clears throat> yes, I'm not allowed to open yet. Right. Um, last year I opened only for two months and then we went to lockdown again. Right. So I, I teach um, when I open for two months, I, I keep uh, teaching online too. So yeah. now yeah. I think it's going to be like this, the mix of online and, and in the shala. Yeah, for some time probably. Have, yes, and I can't have many students in the shala. Right. They, they need to be spread around the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we've seen that yeah so i can't receive everybody yeah people have to take turns yes <laughs> and i can't stay in the shala for seven <laughs> ten hours no <laughs> not possible i miss it you know being in there in the little sweat box oh my god working. i miss a lot i yeah. am in the shala now and when i sit in this room and it's empty for months. I feel so sad. I just mm. wanted to see my students here sweating. Mm. Yes. Well, I would like to come and see you sweating as well. <laughs> you might be able to get a Ayurvedic massage out I, of this. Yeah. <laughs> now it's gonna be my turn. Okay, next time we meet, Russell, oh. I want that Ayurvedic massage. Okay. Yeah, you will have to pay a lot. You'll be fulfilling. Fine. You'll be filling. A, fulfilling a lifetime fantasy for Russell. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for meeting with us and being on our podcast. Thank you. You both was very special. Yeah, it was so oh. lovely to chat with you. Thank you, Laura. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Laura. I have to. I have to go run and and pick up Jediah from school. But oh, uh, he's at school. That's so nice. Yeah, Canada. They let them at school. Yeah. It, last year they were locked down for almost the whole school year, like from March, I guess, to June. And then this year it's been good because even though they are back to like stage one lockdown right now, so no restaurants are open or. Mm -hmm gyms or anything like that for adults they keep the school going so it's helpful yeah i think it's yeah. the right decision yeah mm -hmm.
Yeah, but so nice to see yeah. you. I hope it nice. works. Oh, it was so beautiful. It yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. fabulous. So yeah. many yeah. amazing stories. It's really good stories. Yeah. In the end, the English starts to be like that. Yeah, I know. It it in it was fine though. It was so good. It can be we know it can be exhausting to talk yeah. in another language like that for so long. And has been a while. I don't yeah. travel anymore. I just yeah, yeah. stay here. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, right? You're only yeah. speaking Portuguese now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was such Very a pleasure. Nice yeah. So good to see Thank you. Thank you too. for the oh, invitation. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. We we love to hear diverse stories and interesting stories. So it's good. Yeah, it's very nice to bring different kind of stories. So I think the students, sometimes they get lost where to go. And when they listen, all these different stories, it inspires them. It exactly, it because we're all so goddamn lost. <laughs> and so then and they, the student feels like, oh, this is me too. Yeah, 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 they sh yeah we share Yeah, but how, how to find without being lost? Yeah, they. Yeah. I think it encourages people to just keep like being. Yeah, doing, yeah. following their path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be. Yeah, it's good. work, but okay. also just be. Yeah. <laughs> well, give your yeah. little boy a big smooch, Bernie. So cute. I go back to Bernie now. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> See you. See you. I you hope much. we can meet in Mysore. That would be so nice. <laughs> Charat is gonna open in August. No but chance. I'm not going. No, no chance. <laughs> no chance, mate. Well, weird. I don't even know if, like, India. I mean, in Canada, we can't. They won't let us travel. No. Yeah, India is not uh, giving tourist visa. No. no. So how are you going? To I don't know. <laughs> we'll all be roommates again. That'd be nice. <laughs> yes. And then I want a massage. And then I'm going to see if you remember the course because it has been almost 20 years. It has been. It's been almost 20. Yeah, I just use your elbows. That's it. I'll try and get them to practice on me. Yes. Free massage. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we love you. Bye. Love you. Thank you again. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's Watching the breaking waves There's a heart